0: Trey Farmer is an architect with Forgecraft Architecture here in Austin. They're one of the leaders in our city in the passive design and healthy home space. And aside from high end residential projects, they're also designing larger commercial projects with a focus towards social impact. I interviewed Trey a few years ago about his passive home he was building for his own family, just the third certified passive home in the entire state of Texas, believe it or not. Today, Trey and I catch up on that home what he'd do differently, and also some other good stuff around wellness and sustainability and architecture and construction. Here we go. Y'all enjoy. Before we begin, I would be remiss without a quick thanks to three very important Building Optimal partners. First, to Lowe's and their MVP's Pro Rewards and Partnership Program, of which my own company is a very proud member, with exclusive benefits and offers like e gift cards and in store freebies. Lowe's is a true partner, enabling contractors like you and me to succeed. Second, to RAM Windows, made right here. In the Lone Star State, I use RAM windows on every home, and I love everything about the windows they make and what that company stands for. And last, but certainly not least, to Sub-Zero Wolf Cove, the premier appliance company in the world, which we use exclusively in our homes. We are thankful for the support of these wonderful companies, which help make this podcast a reality. On your house, we talked, what, like, yeah, probably a little over two years ago on the mm-hmm. podcast. And we walked through a bunch of the stuff that you did in it. And we'll link to that in the show notes. But let's revisit that for a second just to get some of the systems you put in there. I know you did a lot, so we don't have to go through everything, but like those top the 20 percent of the things you did that kind of got the majority of the benefit of yeah. what were those you had obviously insulated sheathing what triple pane windows i think orientation was a really important yeah. component for you yeah i, I don't of, want to steal your thunder what no, was, yeah a lot what of shading
1: the, yeah. shading on the east and west and south big we've, we've got a big screen porch on the east side and then a Covered porch on the west side, yeah. so like interstitial spaces that are inside outside, but also provide a lot of deep deep shading to those areas that are hard to shade. um But yeah, it, you know, about double code insulation values, triple pane windows, air tightness is probably the biggest one. That's down here, like the code level air tightness is not super tight, so we had to go quite a bit tighter than that, which gets all this benefit. Indoor air quality also makes it help make helps make the building really quiet. Yeah. You know? Um, Who did y'all use
0: for air Barrier? We did
1: Aero Barrier. We were able to get the house down to about 1 ACH-50. Code Mm -hmm. here is 5. So we have got decently down. This was also like a historic preservation renovation. So we were tying in. It it was not all new
0: materials.
1: So there were some areas that were really tricky to air seal. And then we used IAQ Texas, who came in and Aero Barriered it from 1 down to about 0.3 ACH.
0: Okay. Got it. And then on those triple pane windows, was that
1: Marvin? We we used Marvin. That's what I thought. Yeah. We were trying to like, we wanted to, because we were kind of using it as a case study, we had a lot of open houses and we're trying to share it with the design and construction community down here. And so we didn't want to use anything that was, we had to fly in from Germany that no one had ever seen before. And so there's some great products that you can definitely do that with, but we used the zip system for our sheathing and we used the R system with the insulation behind it. Yeah. We use Marvin Windows, we use Mitsubishi for VRF heat pump. We had a ream hot water ream heat pump, hot water heater, Panasonic ERV.
0: Yeah. And your insulation, was it all Rock wool?
1: We did all rock wool. It was we use a lot of cellulose bibs in our practice. Try to avoid spray foam as much as we can, but there's yeah. sometimes it's as a great product in some instances, you yeah. know, and you can't avoid it. But yeah, Rockwell was awesome. It was one of those, I was like a pet project. There are all these like little rabbit holes that yeah, go down sure. and make my poor builder like <laughs> wait and I burn a month <laughs> on it. Who built it for you again? Blake Smith with Clean Tag. His, his okay. company's yeah, yeah. level on the level now.
0: Okay, that's right. So you're in the house for a little over two years. What would you do on your next project? What are the things you would do differently
1: or um, upgrade? Yeah, the. A lot of it, I think, we would do the same. We had we had a lot of fun with it. We learned a lot from it. The summit we were in historic neighborhood, so that preservation side of it was tricky. Well, that's a
0: big constraint on went, top of the passive.
1: And we spent a lot of money on deconstruction just to get to zero mm-hmm. and then rebuild it. And part of that was like the house was way into setback. So if we had scraped it and started over, even if we'd rebuilt it to the historic look, we would have lost like ten feet out of the width of our house out of, out of a thirty foot wide house. Um, I don't know, we're so we're working on a house right now that we're doing the sort of certification scope and the builder got these really nice passive house windows from Germany and the U value on them is so low that like they're triple pane windows, but because the frames are so good, they're like half the U value, so basically double the insulative value of the triple pane windows we used. And which has really moved the mark on everything else in the energy model. So with passive house, you're building this 3D model that's got everything in it, like your appliance like the actual appliances in it your actual HAC system all your walls and you can move different levers to try and hit the ma- the marks you need to move so you can add a little bit of insulation do a different window package look at different like actual design changes in terms of form and where your glazing is but getting that aggressive with the windows like really frees a lot of stuff up elsewhere so you can kind of like back off of your insulation or
0: so windows um, are a huge lever on. they can the past be yeah
1: miles. yeah exactly they really can be
0: Did these did this guy get these Windows from
1: i will share this back with you yeah yeah is that european architectural systems was okay. the, 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 really? the vendor yeah i haven't seen him is there still, a distributor still, here like that they, they are the distributor in the states or i believe so yeah. i don't know we're just doing the energy modeling right now I, yeah i'm just curious how hard
0: it. it would be to get them over here but it sounds really cool
1: they weren't super expensive either really yeah it's a, it's the house it's daniel glauser he's one yeah. of our risingers project manager mm. it's his personal house and so we're not okay, the cool. architect on it we're doing the passive house certification and modeling yeah cool i'll make sure it's cool with him that I <laughs> yeah yeah <I laughs> but, uh, him. but yeah anyway it's it's exciting because it's like, oh man these things are like really badass and really help and free up some other sort of amazing kind of gives yeah. us some flexibility elsewhere
0: yeah So, windows, anything else that would you stick with the same insulation systems on your next house?
1: Yeah, I think so. I don't know if we do Rockwell versus the cellulose bibs, or I love both of those. Yeah, the Zip R was great. It's nice because it's one trip around the the building and it's like a, a known quantity here. Like a lot of builders use it, it's pretty ubiquitous, yeah, which is nice. We're not, you know, we use like vapor shield and then continue rock on the exterior on some yeah. of our commercial work which I love. It's just, so there's there's lots of products to play with which is a lot of fun to dig into um, but I like what we used and it's worked well for us. So
0: there's a little bit of a selfish angle to this question because yeah. I'm doing a, a personal remodel on a pier and beam oh, nice. in town right now and curious what would you do if you were doing your house over again how would you handle
1: the cross space system? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Cuz it's a bitch. <laughs> It
1: is a bit... So we do closed cell spray foam underneath, right? Like the easiest thing to do. If we had... Part of it was like we couldn't raise the house up and it's pretty tight on the underside. So we couldn't get like sheathing it to like under the joist up on yeah. the low side. It just would have been too tough to work it. We're doing a passive house duplex just around the corner from here. And that one has crawl space but it's new construction so we know that we can get access but so we're sealing the crawl space and then we're doing aerated glass gravel on the ground and so that has been really nice nice. in terms of the energy model we haven't built it yet but it looks like it's going to be a lot cheaper and more effective than some of the other ways of cracking that nut but yeah yeah pier and beam is tough
0: are you ducting air into the Crawl space as well.
1: Yeah. So basically, there's a, we've got the ERV like blowing, passively blowing air through there, basically like a floor register. Okay. And then there's an access point. And that one, there's four different crawl spaces on that building. So four different access points and four different. That'll be fun. It's a, it's this, yeah, it is a crazy building on a crazy site. Very can... soil <laughs> passive house. Pass. It's fun. I haven't learned fun.
0: So you guys obviously have a focus on healthy homes in your practice, something that's near and dear to us. And we try to really, at least in the world of building, my goal is to always be towards the forefront of that wave. And I just think it's an evolving space though. And it's tough to always hone in on what are the best things to be putting in, the necessary things to be putting in. What are you guys interested in, focused on right now? Like, how are you seeing that Y'all can be designing healthier homes.
1: Yeah, it's been agreed. And it's fun having a community around this and knowing that we can push each other and getting to watch your work. And I think we really see it as like the only way to go at this point. We can do it. There's so many more materials. There's so much more research out every day about the health of everything from like how you cook to how, you know, how you, what you do with your air to then like the, the furniture you're putting in your house mm-hmm. all the build, building materials even just a few years ago it was like really hard to try and get like a health product declaration for flooring or carpet or anything like that and now it's all of the manufacturers are on board and moving that way so it's, a, it's like a fun time to be in the industry it's kind of it feels like the industry is catching up to us a little bit we like airtightness. i think is like one that we push on really hard trying to get the buildings so airtight because there's just there's these efficiency benefits and the sustainability benefits but then it's like really at the base it's a health thing because then you can control all the air that's coming into your building you can filter it you know that it doesn't have all this we have so much pollen and allergens here our house Mm -hmm. is pretty close to a highway just being able to know that every all the air that's coming in your house is healthy and filtered and then also that you're constantly getting fresh air in through your ventilation so that's really important to pay a lot of attention to HVAC system We're dedicated to dehumidifiers and all of our projects, just like in our climate, it's so tricky on those shoulder seasons when it's 78 and like 90% humidity, your AC is yeah. not running. You bring it in, you drop the air down a little bit, and then all of a sudden you you know you've got mold issues, right. right? And it's uncomfortable, right? You can keep this set point of your thermostat a little bit higher. So yeah, keep controlling the humidity down here is important. The materials that go into the building, of course, and that everything from what is the envelope built with, what's the insulation, what's your flooring, what are your any sort of like wet materials you're putting in, making sure that those are meeting the highest standards, which is getting easier and easier on a budget. These days, like uh, as the manufacturers offer have more offerings and that stuff gets mainstreamed. And then working with our interiors team to couches, that sort of thing, like upholstered furniture. It all matters. Right. It all matters. We're building like fishbowls to live in. And so it's like, we got to make sure that they forget that we're in like a fluid and yeah. that we're all like sharing air and that everything we bring in is going into that air. Even if we can't see it, it's still there. Mm.
0: I remember when I was touring your house a few years ago, you are talking about your choice to use rock wool and you told me that there was some preliminary data that foam insulation was rotting out coils or had some sort of negative effect on terms of time Mm -hmm. it would start disintegrating and have an effect on HVAC equipment and of course think what is that doing inside your lungs is that an accurate recollection of what you told me
1: the the, yeah so there I know like Mitsubishi has put out a white paper about it but basically if Foam. I'm not. This is a little out of my wheelhouse, but if the foam gets mix, mixed mixed incorrectly, or it may have something to do with the flame retardants that need to get added to the foam when it's mm-hmm. in an added condition, but basically it would put off like chlorine that would that would corrode the fan coils and the HVAC equipment. Yeah, and so that like spooked a lot of the HVAC industry. And so that's people I know and trust in the healthy air side are often working in the HVAC industry. And so that was that's a big part of it. Yeah, foam is an interesting one, right? Like, there it's getting better. There's like low global warming potential blowing agents, but it's still like a plastic. You still have to like landfill it and all the wood that it touches, right? When you're deconstructing something at the end of its life.
0: Relatively, it's a higher embodied carbon cellulose
1: yeah exactly like arguably even with the low global warming potential like it's still going to use more energy to make it than it saves you over the lifetime of the product versus hemp wool or cellulose which are carbon positive in the other direction if you have a choice then you know there's times where foam is the best choice yeah but if we can avoid it then we try to
0: isn't it funny like the cycle of things because now i think foam is definitely with what you're mentioning on the health side, and then you factor in impact on embodied carbon, foam is really starting to look like an inferior alternative compared to other systems. But yet it's probably at its height of popularity mm. right now, yeah. at least in my world of where you know cost is much a, very much a driver yeah. behind material selection. Because 10 years ago, 13 years ago when I first started building, it was like the gold standard. Everyone was using bats and maybe bibs. And if you could use, if you had the budget, you'd go to open cell spray foam. And now the cost has at least here locally reversed where foam is even cheaper than a lot of these Mm -hmm. other things now. So it's the most common thing. And now all of a sudden you've got these data points that are pointing to the fact that it may not be the
1: optimal system for a lot of yeah, it was like the high performance, like golden child for a while. And yeah. Falling out of favor. I don't know, like We have to, the sort of role architect is know a little bit about of a lot of things. So it's like a lot of, it's like I've got to network and talk to people I trust about a lot of different things. And so it's hard to dig too deep on some of that stuff but we as a practice try to avoid it when we can but are not try not to be like dogmatic about it either i think to get back to the health piece of it i think thinking about the design too not just the materials but like i mentioned earlier we have a screen porch right and that was like a, a big thing that my wife was really pushing for us to have and it was like we had to trade conditioned square footage because of our entitlements for the screen porch and we worked with another architect, Hugh Jefferson Randolph, who I used to work for on the house and collaborated with him. And he and I were like, Why would you do a screen porch instead of conditioned square footage? And if you can use it all the time and resale value and all and blah blah blah. And she like held her own and it is like our favorite part of the house. It's this like yeah. little tree house on the hillside. It's got down down views and especially like in COVID lockdown, that was like our refuge, right? We could sit up there, and talk to our neighbors who are walking by. So like Thinking about like connection to nature outside, right? We love gardening. We have a little orchard and garden that we can see from the screen porch and we can hang out on the screen porch while our son's playing in the garden or vice versa. And then like thinking about daylighting windows as like connection to nature, like planting flowering plants that support butterflies and hummingbirds right outside your window setting up your glazing so that you're not getting like direct sunlight and glare so you have to close your blinds but so that you have those views but also so you get like different different like tones of daylight mm. the day so it gives your it makes your house feel dynamic or it, it is dynamic and we have some skylights that we love like one in our shower and then this big light well in the kitchen and like getting to walk out in the middle of the night and get a glass of water from the kitchen and like having moonlight coming in through the skylights is just like the most beautiful thing. And it's not indoor air quality, but I think that there is an argument to me that that is a quality of life thing. That is like joy of being in a space is health too.
0: Yeah. I think that tying as much of your day to natural light Mm -hmm. as you can. So Daylighting as well as you can, but then also night lighting like what you're talking about where Mm -hmm. you can minimize the use of artificial light at night is critically important really for joy but also for circadian rhythms and that's going to tie back into all kinds of hormone regulation and other health benefits or ailments as well and you guys did a great job with that on your house and I think that's a really overlooked part of healthy home building.
1: It's another one too, where like the industry and the costs and technology is like really exciting what's coming forward. So like we, we have like low, relatively low, like 2700 Kelvin color temp. So it's like pretty, pretty yellow in the house, but everything's on dimmers. And then we have some dim to white bulbs at our island and our dining table. So like late at night, it can get like really warm, like candlelight warm. You're seeing more and more LED lighting where you can control the color temperature independently of the dimming. And so Allowing the, like your smart house to change the lighting over the course of the day so that it's helping support your circadian rhythms instead of fighting against them so that yeah. way when it's time to come to bed. The iPad's a whole nother issue. <laughs> but, yeah, sure. But uh, it's helping support your body function and getting good night's sleep.
0: So of the light bulbs that you use, Ketra is obviously the mm-hmm. like, big name in town in terms of circadian lighting. Yeah. I think they're pretty expensive option that not everyone can afford do you know of any others that we it's a, are in the game right now
1: you can just get at home depot you can get dim to warm bulbs by like phillips yeah you can get them on amazon or the hardware store are they um,
0: wi-fi connected or are they just working on a
1: these are just, just dumb. they're just dumb so they just you just have them on a dimmer and they're maybe at three thousand at full brightness and then they just get warmer and warmer as you go down on the dim Okay. So that they're not as smart and that they're not like smart home connected and not changing throughout the course of the day, but you, know, you don't have to have a whole smart home get up with a computer yeah. controlling it, we put them you know, and we put them in all those like key spaces so that we can have that nice like warm light in, at night, yeah,
0: that's a great idea, so we just what was it two or three weeks ago we just had our <laughs> second winter apocalypse and as many was it two years ago when we had the first yeah. winter apocalypse we got a
1: year off, yeah.
0: Yeah, so basically in two of the last three winters, we have had a apocalyptic, <clears throat> quote unquote, event. Yeah. <laughs> the last time was technically worse, because, you know, the, there was a Much lot colder,
1: of... colder, snow, yeah. People were losing water. Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: And this time, the main culprit was electric grid here mm-hmm. in Austin going down. Yeah. And a lot of people, there's several hundred thousand people that were out of power for, like, anywhere between a few days to like over a week. Yeah. And a lot of our clients are coming to us now saying that they want gas generators. Like almost all of our custom home clients right now have come to us in the last few weeks. Understandably. Yeah. What would you be doing now? Obviously, you were saying that you were out of power for a few days, but yet because of the way your house is constructed, you dropped down to just like in the 60s this time, which compared to most people, that were getting down into the 30s and 40s, so, like, anything that you would do differently, knowing that these yeah. events may be happening more frequently in the future?
1: Yeah, I think, right, like, having a bomber envelope, right, like, some more insulation yeah. better orientation, so you're getting some heat gain in the winter days. Yeah. The air tightness is really help that helps keep the house survivable, right, comfortable for a much mm-hmm. longer period of time. We have a PV system and a battery backup. The sun wasn't shining at all, unfortunately, yeah, for so like the 3 the... days we were out. So the battery worked valiantly to keep our food cold in our fridge, just gave us a couple hot meals, kept us connected to the internet and our devices charged, but
0: Are you able to direct your energy?
1: I we don't have a smart panel. We have Breaker boxes. So So, so, yeah, so I I was just doing it, doing it old school with the breaker boxes. We have a curb energy monitoring system, so I can see the circuits off the main panel. So we don't have one set up on the sub panel. but that let me like track the like watt for watt what we're using every minute and so i could go around and switch stuff off and see where the phantom loads were see what was drawing but we we have a tanked heat pump hot water so that stayed warm for the whole time even though it was turned off so we could still take hot we have an induction range which we were able to like cook a meal on make hot drinks on um but it's still not comfortable it's being stuck inside we also like our son was out of school that whole week, so by the second day out, it was his fourth day out of school, and we were, like, hunkered down and bored, and it's not the most fun. You can only watch so much Bluey. Yeah. yeah. Trying to do a thousand-piece puzzle with a four-year-old as yeah, yeah. best you can.
0: <laughs> but for you, you're not really a proponent of the gas generators. We,
1: like, we we build all of our buildings, commercial, multifamily, custom home, all electric. Um, you yeah, know, I think from a like decarbonization standpoint, it's pretty clear that's where everything needs to go. Good. Obviously resiliency and life safety is first order, right? Yeah. So I think if you're able to build like a passive house and put P V on the roof and a couple of battery if we had another battery or if the power had come out, then we would have been able to operate at normal and turn the mm-hmm. heat back up. And and it would have just been another day. But there's a lot of houses that Can't do that from a retrofit standpoint. So, I totally get the idea of needing power somehow. I do, I think it's a really interesting space where the EV adoption curve is coming at us like pretty fast, Mm -hmm. watching what's happening in Europe and Asia and even just with the car manufacturers here, to where like I would not be at all surprised if in three or four years, 60, 70, 80% of new cars are EVs, and most of those have home to a car so you can charge both directions and then if a lot of the utilities are already making noise like they're going to have car to grid tech capabilities where you can use when your car is plugged in your utility can control to some extent like how it's charging so that can help reduce peak demand keep everyone's utilities down keep the dirty peaker plants offline and then you can power your house so we have a power a tesla power wall right it's 13 kilowatt hours it's was like $13,000 Thirteen thousand dollars or something like that. I think they're mo- like quite a bit more now because we got it pre-COVID pricing. You get a Ford Lightning or a Tesla—that's ten times that amount of charge. So yeah. like if you have that thing plugged into your house, like I think there's a, a, an interesting future that is coming at us pretty quickly. Like regardless of anything else, that's going to have really big implications on this. Yeah. So my feeling is if we can still build all our houses all electric, uh, decarbonize them. Pretty soon we're going to have those resiliency features that we're driving around in all day.
0: Speaking of gas, we talked about something in our pre-interview that I think is worth bringing up, and that is we talked about that report that recently came out about mm-hmm. the health effects of gas stoves. And you mentioned something I didn't know, that basically they're leaking benzene even when they're turned off into the open air of these homes, is mm-hmm. that
1: a, yeah, I mean, it's like an it, end of pipe, right? Like, the gas companies don't disclose what is in the gas that you're burning, right? Like that is unknown. It's just, like, a chemical mix yeah. of who the fuck <laughs> knows what. And it's literally, like, ending in your house. And, the you know, the people who study this stuff see there's tons of leakage in the homes, either at the stove or just, like, at the joints and yeah. in the gas pipes that are leaking some pretty nasty stuff, like known carcinogens into our houses. So, like... Beyond the nitrous oxides and things like that occur when you burn the gas in your stove. There's all these other sort of nasty things, and then it's the camel's nose under the tent. It's like nobody really cares how they heat their water or how they heat your air, as long as your house is comfortable and you can take a hot shower. It's like the stove is the thing that the gas companies have managed to like make a emotional connection (laughs) people. So yeah, we're talking about how it's, it's a conversation we have to have a lot and. We love our induction stove. It's like, for us, it is not at all a uh, sacrifice. It yeah. is a significant upgrade. It is just a superior technology, like, period. There's no question in my mind that it's not a better item, yeah. but, except for when your power goes out. So I have neighbors who came up to me after the freezer. They're like, yeah, my gas stove like saved my life. It's like, I turned it on and like just ran my gas stove for <laughs> hours. I like, I can't imagine what that did to your air quality. But there, that's a legitimate life safety thing. And so it's like, if you're not, if you don't live in a brand new passive house with a battery backup, I don't have a good answer to that. And I don't I want to be sympathetic to people who feel like their gas stove kept their house from freezing and yeah. like their pipes from bursting.
0: Hey, you made it through, which is <laughs> impressive. Not everyone was able to stay in their home for those days.
1: We I, We did not... I got the caveat we did not stay in our home we left we we left for a night and went and had it. but it was honestly it was like we went and stayed with friends down the street who had power who have another four-year-old and like it was awesome like we don't get to have sleepovers so we had a slumber party we stayed up and played board games because the kids were all asleep and it's like, i haven't done that in six years <laughs> so it was like this thing where we can be like miserable and like kind of cold we were comfortable. We were, yeah. Like. In, in any danger but it's just like way more fun it's yeah. like an excuse to go have a slumber party with friends
0: good man thanks for coming by always It's always good, good to chatting with you
1: yeah same